This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. In many parts of the world, this past summer was a historically dry one. The worst drought in decades is gripping eastern Africa. Much of Europe is struggling to cope with what's being described as the worst drought here on record. Western states are experiencing the worst mega drought in at least 1,200 years. Yeah, they say climate. Those droughts killed crops and livestock. They led to limits on water use. They even threatened millions with starvation. But what if it didn't have to be this way? What if we could ease a drought by making it rain whenever we wanted? That's what happened in China this summer. A drought there was affecting half the area of the country. The Yangtze River dropped to its lowest level since record-keeping began. It put staple crops like rice and corn at risk. And it created rolling blackouts in parts of the country dependent on hydroelectric power. Many people in China said they have never seen severe power rationing and drought like this in their lifetime. Uh, if we look so the Chinese government turned to a controversial technique called cloud seeding. China says it will try to protect its grain harvest from intense drought by using chemicals to generate rain. The country is in the This isn't the first time a country has tried cloud seeding. In fact, the practice has been around since the 1940s. Not everyone thinks it's a good idea. Some critics say making it rain more often in some places could mean less water in others, while other critics worry about playing God. But as the planet heats up, cloud seeding could become a more important tool to combat increasingly frequent droughts. Cloud seeding really now came up and so unvoked because there's such a lack of water and so people are trying to do all kinds of measures to, to mitigate drought and to mitigate um, a larger impact or problem. From The Wall Street Journal, this is the future of everything. I'm Alex Osola. Today, we're speaking with Katya Friedrich, an atmospheric scientist at the University of Colorado Boulder who studies clouds and precipitation. She'll tell us how cloud seeding might help lessen the impacts of climate change in a drier, warmer world and the downsides of changing the weather. That's after the break. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Katya Friedrich, welcome to the future of everything. Thank you for having me. This year, the U.S., Europe, East Africa, and China had months of very hot weather. That's meant that hundreds of millions of people have been affected by heat waves and drought. Why aren't these areas getting the rain they need? We are seeing a change in weather pattern. We're seeing a change in how much moisture is really available. And that is mostly actually related to climate change. So 
in the past, we had a really good understanding of when we get the rain and how we get the rain. And now this understanding is becoming a little bit more uncertain. So we don't really know how much precipitation we get. We get a lot of these really severe weather events where we get a lot of precipitation in a very short time. Or on the other hand, we are under really stable high pressure systems where no moisture comes in. So we can really have any clouds and precipitation. This is becoming really uncertain. And so that's why we are really putting a lot of stress on the system. The other thing is that we have a lot of people moving places. So for instance, in the US, people move to the West because they like the nice weather. And so we have more people that are now depending on water. So there are several issues here that make a trout or a severe rain event even more severe because we have more people or more people depending on water. Something that caught my eye this summer was that in China, the provincial and national governments use this cloud seeding technology to induce rain. Can you tell me a bit about how that works? So basically, we discovered in the 1940s that we can actually use cloud droplets in clouds and produce rain. So the technology is pretty simple. We have these clouds that have particles in there, and these particles are too small to fall to the ground. The idea behind cloud seeding is you're inducing some kind of a technology to make them heavier or bigger, and they fall down as precipitation. What is the substance they usually seed the clouds with? It really depends on what type of cloud seeding you do. So in Idaho, we are looking at orographic wintertime clouds. So the idea is here in the West to increase the snowpack because that's how we have control over the water. We can either store it in reservoirs or we can let it go downstream and we can basically use it for crops or hydropower or whatever. And we are using silver iodide to combine this with supercooled liquid. And supercooled liquid are tiny droplets that exist below freezing. So we can make these tiny droplets freeze and then they stick together and that falls down as snow. A way where we might actually cloud seed on a regular basis is if we get into an airplane and we are flying through clouds because it's the same mechanism. The airplane exhaust puts out particles in the clouds and especially when you fly through supercooled liquid and your airplane gets de-iced <laughs> and you're taking off, that is a really good indication that you might fly through a lot of supercooled liquid. And we can actually see that if you look at airplanes during those conditions where you have a lot of supercooled liquids, you can see lines where airplanes take off or land. And that's when people do cloud seeding. Maybe you can just walk me through the process of how you would actually seed a cloud. So usually we just seed over maybe 100 by 100 kilometers, 50 by 50 kilometers. Usually we are seeding over a watershed because we also want to control that. So usually it's done by an entity and they want to have water, let's say, for a certain reservoir, for a certain area. So we are usually seeding smaller areas. That doesn't mean that you can send up, I mean, 100 airplanes and seed several areas at the same time. But it is actually just done really locally. So we want to target clouds that have a lot of supercooled liquid, which are these tiny droplets that basically hover in the cloud below freezing. We don't really have a really good way of measuring the amount of supercooled liquid, either from the ground or with radars or something like that. If you think about a weather system, a cold front coming through, these are hours of precipitation, hours of clouds. So finding really the right time, the best time to cloud seed is pretty tricky. But we know the areas and the conditions under which we might have a lot of supercooled liquid. And so then the problem is getting the seeding material into the cloud. And that's 
basically two ways. You can put silver iodide on a plane and you can fly through the cloud and place the silver iodide into the cloud. Or you can burn silver iodide on the ground and then hope that you have some kind of an updraft that basically carries the material into the cloud. Of course, seeding from the ground is less expensive, but it's very uncertain. We don't know how much of the material really ends up in the cloud or just somewhere. Um, aircraft seeding is very precise because we can fly into the area where we have the highest supercooled liquid water, but it's on the other hand pretty expensive because you need to have an aircraft. So aircraft seeding works in two ways. We have these flares that are filled with cerviodite and we are burning those flares either on the aircraft or we are dropping burn flares into the cloud. So again, if you have a lot of supercooled liquid, you might not want to fly through a cloud because you have a lot of aircraft icing. And so you might want to fly above the cloud and then drop these silver iodide flares into the cloud, or if you can fly through them and then place the material into the cloud. But again, until you actually are up in the air and flying through the cloud, you don't have a good idea of how much supercooled liquid is in the cloud. Okay, so cloud seeding works to induce rain and it works to induce snow. Does it work with any other kinds of weather? Could you anti-seed a cloud if there's too much rain? Yeah, I mean, cloud seeding is also done to inhibit large hailstones from growing. So you can also do it the other way around. I mean, again, when you say it works, I mean, really the physics behind works. So if I'm in a lab, I can do this. And we know that the physics behind is logical and that works. Working in the environment is a totally different beast because... We need to get the seeding material where we need it. And we need to even know where do we have these supercooled liquid clouds and these kind of things. So working is really a wide range. Cloud seeding is still controversial because we cannot really say 100% this is the amount that we generate from cloud seeding because there are things that scientifically we are not 100% sure because we don't know. Cumulus clouds usually don't precipitate and they just hover around until they are growing into larger clouds. The question that we always have difficulties answering is how much rain would this cloud had produced without seeding or with seeding? So once we disturb the cloud and then we don't have a reference because we don't have the same clouds in the same vicinity. Is there a risk to deploying the silver iodide if it doesn't induce rain if it's the wrong time or the wrong condition? Yeah, so we are trying to minimize that because there is a cost involved. The other limitations besides cost, of course, is the amount of silver iodide that we're basically spreading into the environment. Right now, at least in the U.S., all the cloud seeding operations is controlled, so they have to provide samples of like how much silver is in groundwater in the soil. And it is regulated by the EPA if the U.S. decides to seed the heck out of each cloud. I mean, this might be different. So again, environmental impacts currently don't have an impact, but if you would spin the cloud seeding operations up, that might become an issue. What we've been trying also over the years to find the best timing of cloud seeding to make it efficient. We don't really want to put tons of iodide into the clouds because it also has an environmental impact. And health impacts as well? And then related with the silver in the drinking water, health impacts, yes. I would imagine that that would make the practice kind of controversial. Yeah, I mean, again, this is another area of research that we need to do, but there's really little research on what are really the health impact of silver and when does it become critical. With all these potential downsides, how could scientists turn cloud seeding into a reliable and safe tool for combating drought? 
That's after the break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My sense is that China is relying a bit more on cloud seeding than some other places. Are they doing something differently there to make it more reliable? Or what What are they doing there? They have a really big cloud seeding program. They also do a lot of research on that. That's for sure. They can use anything differently than what we have been doing and what the knowledge base is. Cloud seeding really now came up and so unvoke because there's such a lack of water. And so people are trying to do all kinds of measures to mitigate trout and to mitigate a larger impact or problem. So... Yes, you can cloud seed as much as you want. You can be up there and just pump in silver iodide and hope it works. But again, they can't defy physics. It's a cost-benefit analysis that you have to do. And what risk do you want to take? And that's what they're doing. They're basically just going big and hoping to get as much water. That's an entire economy depending on that. Right. There are many other countries that have a similar reliance and are under similar duress in terms of water. Are there limitations in terms of where cloud seeding can work? Could you cloud seed in Colorado just as well as you could seed in the Sahara? Yes, that's a very good question. You need to have clouds. You need to have supercooled liquid, these tiny cloud droplets in the clouds that would not fall to the ground as precipitations. You need to have conditions where it cannot be too cold, it cannot be too hot. So if you look in the winter season, where people used to cloud seed between November and March, over the years since the temperature are going up, they might just seed between January and March or January, February. So this window becomes smaller. There has been a lot of work done because people want to control the weather. But it also sounds like there are a lot of open questions, kind of. So what are some of the things that would help make this field a bit more mature? The problem with cloud seeding, that with observations, it's difficult to distinguish between what we did and what Mother Nature already did. So therefore, we are really moving towards numerical models. And that is actually how we initiated this experiment that I've been talking about, where we saw or measured the seeding impacts. The idea of this experiment was gathering data so we can reliably run our numerical models, because we have a lot of ways we can run our experiment. We can put silver iodide into the cloud. We can make the entire environment warmer and see, okay, how does cloud seeding work on the changing climate? We can not just seed one case after another, or one day after another. We can look at an entire season. And we can also discover, okay, is it better to seed early in the season versus late in the season? When we have reliable models where we have high confidence that this is working, then we can go and just deploy it somewhere else and say, okay, would cloud seeding in a different environment, in a different country would actually make sense and how much can we really produce. So because the observations are sometimes not conclusive, 
we are moving to numerical models because it gives us a lot more freedom to experiment with different conditions. From the basic concept, we do know how cloud seeding works and where it works the best. So maybe we don't use survivor. We come up with another technology where we can maybe seed more efficiently. And people are working on that. So I think this is where I see the biggest improvement um, over the next few years, where scientists and engineers can work together. That's so interesting. What are some of the other materials? If you go into regimes that are much warmer, where you cannot use silver iodide as a technology, you can electrify the clouds and trying to have the cloud droplets stick together. So there are various other technologies that can be used if you have a different type of cloud. Over in Dubai, they had a fleet of drones that flew up into cloud cover. And they, they used electrical charges to force water droplets to combine into larger ones. Why larger raindrops? Because in Dubai, most of the rain that falls out of the clouds evaporates. So they're trying to stimulate by using electricity these droplets to be larger. Hence, they can make it to the ground. So you mentioned that cloud seeding in the future might actually be more difficult because of climate change, which is a bit counterintuitive. I would think that as droughts become more severe, if I am, you know, running a government, then I would look at cloud seeding like a tool in my toolbox to combat low water levels and things like that. Is that going to be a tool you think that more governments are going to rely on in the future? I don't think cloud seeding is really a tool to rely on. Again, it might help or might not help. You still need to have a cloud in order to cloud seed. So if you're in a stable high pressure system where we don't have a cloud, we can't really cloud seed. Really, this depends on the area. It depends on the conditions where you want to cloud seed and where you need to cloud seed. But basic conditions need to be met. So that's why I think cloud seeding can help. And probably should be pursued in the future. But I would not put all my eggs in this basket. What don't we know about cloud seeding? What are some questions that we still don't have answers for? Yeah, I think the the biggest question is probably how much precipitation can we really generate from cloud seeding? Because the problem is we can't really distinguish what is from seeding and what is natural. And so this is what we have been struggling for many, many years And with observation, it's really hard to do that because we don't have a reference. So this is, I think, the biggest question is like, how much precipitation can we really derive from cloud seeding? Yeah, (laughs) that's a big one. (laughs) (laughs) And especially when you think about from a planning standpoint, because a lot of times these water managers, they would like to know how much water they can generate. And I think the reason why it has become so popular is because the cost of water went up. And they haven't done that maybe 20 years ago where maybe there was not a need, but now there is a need. Just think about the Rocky Mountains. They're big economies depending on the water in the Colorado River. And so you want to be on the safe side that you have enough water to to support agriculture, to support hydropower and these kind of things. Because this, if you run out of water, this has a major, major impact. But usually what I say is like cloud seeding is not just one fits all, you need to have a water plan. How do you mitigate trout? How do you mitigate these uncertainties and precipitation? And cloud seeding is just one piece of that, but you need to have a bigger plan, which includes water conservation and how water is allocated and things like that. I wish that people would also look more into these other mitigation 
techniques and not just rely on cloud seeding because cloud seeding is not that easy. And as I said earlier, you don't necessarily produce a lot of precipitation with cloud seeding. What do you wish more people knew about cloud seeding? I wish people would be more informed and would not be so negative about cloud seeding. A lot of times I get comments, you're manipulating the weather and Then I say, you know, every time you get onto a plane, you're basically seeding every cloud. Every time we are getting in a car, you're modifying the weather because we're putting particles out and these particles will be picked up and maybe produce rain or not. We all depend on water. I think if we are starting to limit showers, people would be outraged, you know, but they're also outraged um, when we cloud seed. So I wish people would really think about this in a more holistic way. It's like, what are the things that we can do? And then again, goes back to if you don't want a cloud seed, then maybe we can counterpart this by conserving water better. Katja Friedrich, thank you so much for speaking with us. Thank you for having me. When do you think it's okay to use cloud seeding? Tweet us at WSJ Podcasts. The Future of Everything is a production of The Wall Street Journal. Stephanie Ilgenfritz is the editorial director of The Future of Everything. This episode was produced by me, Alex Osula, with help from Ariana Asparu. Our fact checker is Aparna Nathan. Jessica Fenton is our sound designer. And Scott Soloway is our supervising producer. Thanks for listening. <laughs>